0: Welcome to another crossover episode between Renninger and England on 99.94. Today we have Rory on, mostly because we're talking about a player from the north, but also uh, because of the most fun fact that I know, that Harry Brook was born in the same hospital as Rory Dollard's son. And if that isn't a perfect one, you must know everything about Harry Brook. You you're must basically <laughs> his biographer, from what I can tell.
1: I know everything about my son. Uh, that, that That's where I'd like to start. And I know... A bit less about Harry Brooke, but uh, but yeah, I've got I've got a personal vested interest in Harry Brooke because my son, who's seven years old, loves his cricket, has latched onto this fella because he feels there's some cosmic link between them, and my son Arthur calls himself and Harry Brooke the Keithley boys because <laughs> the the official uh, the official and Keithley isn't actually where Harry Brooke's from or where my son is from but it's the official address of the Airedale Hospital. And whenever like, I took him to a couple of hundred games to see the Superchargers, and every time Harry Brook walked out to bat, my son punched the air and went, Keithley boy! <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, if it makes you feel better, my son is very excited that there is a Zach that plays for England. Um, unfortunately, every single time he's gone to watch him, you know what's happened. It's about four balls later, and he's driving on the up. So Harry Brook seems to be doing slightly better <laughs> for Arthur than uh, Zach is doing for Zachariah. But... I got you on partly because I obviously know who Harry Brooke is. I remember Goffey, um, before I think it might've been even before he took the job, but certainly when he took the job was like, Jared, you got to spend time watching this Harry Brooke this whole year. I feel like everyone in English cricket has been talking about this guy. And if there was a hype train, I don't know when it started, but I wasn't invited or I wasn't, I was playing with my phone as the train stopped. Uh, everyone else got on and it, and it went on. So when did you start really hearing about Harry Brook?
1: Well, he was the under 19 captain in, in the England under 19 captain in about 2018. And so you do you immediately you you scan those names don't you and you you, you have a look at the under 19 World Cup
0: the Rory Hamilton Brown of his time.
1: Yeah, I suppose so. It looks like he's got a bit more legs <laughs> on him than that. Uh, and and one fewer surname has to be said. Uh, <laughs> uh but so he was he was the captain of the under 19 side so clearly expected to be to be something now the first time i saw him in the flesh i went down to Headingley. it was early season so i wasn't involved with england And i thought Have a look at this brook guy he might he might be something absolutely nothing happened of interest whatsoever <laughs> i i recall almost nothing of, of the innings other than i'd intended to write about him and there was nothing to say <laughs> so you know file that one back in, in the back burner and and that's kind of where he lived for a couple of years on the back burner. Now, clearly, Yorkshire knew that there was a player there, a serious player, and people who were exposed to him for a bit of a longer time had plenty of faith in him. But he didn't. He didn't get that. He didn't get that big talk, that kind of Ollie Pope talk. That you know, we all knew about Ollie Pope very very early, and we've never stopped hearing about Ollie Pope since. And, and Brooke didn't, he didn't have that kind of chat. You know, he was, he was under the radar a wee bit, bubbling under. And then only about, I don't know, 18 months, probably. He's been really, really looking like the real deal, but what an 18 months, you know? I mean, th- this is a guy who's debuted in, well, first-class debut 2016 as a sixth former. And to this day, he's only got seven first-class centuries. and He's got three of them this year, plus another one against South Africa.
0: Yeah, they were supposed. That's not like a non-official first-class game, isn't it? Because they had more than twelve players.
1: Yeah, that just because they used more than yeah more than eleven players. So, but you know, looking at that bowling attack, that's a proper century. You can take that onto the bank.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Just go back to the Yorkshire angle of they played when he was a teenager, but they played. It's actually been a really common thing for Yorkshire cricket over the last few years to play a lot of teenagers. Who was the wicked kid? Was it Barney Gibson? Barney I wanna Reed? Say? Oh, Barney, oh, Barney Gibson? Yeah. He went on to manage a Tiger Tiger and then there was, he was 15. And then there was Matthew Fisher. Didn't he play as a teenager as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Young, young teenager, 16, probably, I think as well.
0: I feel, I feel like I'm missing someone else, someone else obvious as well. So it's been a bit of a thing for them to push really young players for a while. And I would say it's had very mixed results. I mean, the Tiger Tiger manager obviously went on to great things, you know, but it does feel like it's, It's probably burnt out a couple of guys really early on where they've been picking them almost at academy players to play first 11 cricket.
1: Yeah, well, they they do. If there's anything that we know about Yorkshire cricket, it's that they don't like to reverse on on an instinct or a hunch that they have or or a belief that they're tied to. So
0: if they say... (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) If they say this kid's a player, they are duty bound to shove him all the way into the first team just so they're not proved to be wrong. (laughs) <laughs> so there, there is a sense that they that they do push hard, but they, you sink or swim is not a it's not something I would advise with my Keithley boy upstairs. I won't be throwing him in the water and see if he can swim. But on a sporting level,
0: sometimes it works. Yeah, I mean, there, there's something to be said for if you have a player who's of above average talent already, that it might actually affect their development if you hold them back. Um, but we've obviously from international cricket. From the the litany of players who played when they were too young it can it obviously can go one way or the other so if you only have so many young players of talent available to you you're probably better off not pushing them into sink or swim but if you have lots and to be fair as we've already said Yorkshire have tried this with quite a few players now you know maybe the, the odd tiger tiger manager is worth it if you end up with you know an England opening bowler or you know uh, a um uh, you know, middle order player. So it does make sense. He's from Burley Cricket Club. Is that? Did I get that right? Burley and Wharfdale. Yeah. Is that a well-known cricket club? Is that a is that a
1: hot spot? It's not a feeder. It's not a big talk club. That isn't where he's from. You know, the, one of the, another reason I like Harry Brook is that he's he feels like proper salt of the earth. Right, my kind of guy. Absolutely. You know, it's it's a it's a local cricket club. If you go on their play cricket page sort of the the stats engine or whatever, and you go and you look on Burley and Wharfdale Cricket Club right now, there's three, two or three brooks listed in the offices. There's you know, the first team captain is a brook. The secretary is a brook. <laughs> uh, his grand lives. She can field balls that get hit for six and throw them back over the boundary. You know, it's, this is not a, it, it, it's, it's a good club clearly. And it's got, it, it's got a, a vibe and a, a bit of quality there, but it's, it's not a super pro feeder club. That's not, doesn't appear to be what that club is there for it's not its reason for existence it's a cricket club and he happened to be affiliated
0: to it it's funny that you mentioned all the, those i found an interview with him where he, he basically said they said you know what did you do as a kid and he was just like i was in the nets the whole time but he was in the nets with his dad i, I can't remember if he has any brothers or sisters but i remember him mentioning his uncles um yeah, and maybe uncles, his grand yeah. yeah maybe his grandfather as well yeah and so yeah, it's a proper deal Yeah. And so it felt like everyone was in the nets the whole time. And it didn't feel like, you know, I remember Ed Cowan, uh, his dad say, I was in the nets the whole time with Ed. And then what he meant was I was throwing balls to Ed the whole time. You read Harry Brooks scene, you get feeling he actually spent a little time bowling to his uncles and like it was literally Everyone was in the nets and he happened to be there the whole time. So it does feel like a, as you said, a more. Uh, you know, less less as that Crawley situation where he was targeted to be trained in certain things, and more just it, the guy like cricket. And when you read into his story, he wasn't. And I, I suppose even when you look at him play, he's not what I'm trying to say this in the friendliest possible way. Yeah, good. He doesn't quite look like a uh, professional athlete. Like if he was walking down the street, I don't think you'd go that guy. He's got a bit of swag to him. He, he probably plays professional sport. He looks a little bit like he's running late to be an apprentice real estate agent. And when you read the early stories on him, he was, wasn't particularly fit at all. He was, he was, um, in fact, he got held back a little bit in his cricket because he was overweight. He doesn't radiate as a professional athlete the way that, I suppose, someone like Jimmy Anderson, who has a similar background in some ways, would.
1: So yeah, so I think you can differentiate, can't you, between the athletes who've chosen cricket? and the cricketers who find a way to become athletic. Yes, He appears to be, to to all intents and purposes, and it goes back to his family situation, the fact that he grew up of proper sort of spit and sawdust, proper like village cricket club. He's a cricketer Mm. and he's become what he needs to be. And you mentioned he was carrying a bit of weight. That is what I hear whenever you ask anyone about the young Harry Brooke, they go, yeah, he was fantastic. He was really, really good. We always knew he was good. Was he ready to make a job of it, make a lifestyle of it? That was up for grabs. That didn't seem to be certain. He gets the scholarship to Sedba School in Cumbria, and uh, the, the switch flicks, as far as I can tell. And it it, it seems to me that he was already in the Yorkshire system. He was good enough to be recognized and identified, but they said to him, it's not working out. You know, you need to, you need to be a a bit of a different person next time you come back here. And I I spoke to somebody who was involved in the academy system with him. and, And he said, he came back one year, he'd grown a little bit. He'd put a couple of inches on, he'd shed a bit. He was looking a bit more like it, but then he started running and he was like, well, the guy said to me actually he was like, he said he was more Farrah compared to the rest of us. He just he said Harry just just started running and he never stopped. Yeah. And uh, at the School, he got involved in he fell running and you know up and down bogs and puddles oh. and nasty mornings. You know, and, and he and he really made a a commitment to that stuff. And he just de- so so basically Brooke, I guess, decided that he was a cricketer and he wanted to become an athlete.
0: He's starting basketball. That you know they. Talk about athletes, and then they talk about real hoopers. Um, and I think Harry Brook would be—I don't know—I don't know, I don't know how, how we invent a real hooper phrase in cricket, but that's essentially what we're saying. Is you know you, you could, could have throw a hula in, hooper in the hundred, couldn't you? Yeah, well they probably would have. <laughs> the other thing he did early on is he—it uh, seemed like there was a big jump, and, and we see this with a lot of English cricketers when they play professionally in Australia. And he went mm. and played at University of New South Wales, which. Uh, you know, Greg Matthews, Henry Lawson, Ed Cowan, who we mentioned before, like a lot, it's a, it's a real good place. It seemed for him again, that playing for your wage is probably what he needed to do. There's no doubt he loved the game, but there's a big difference isn't there between loving cricket and playing with your uncles in the nets and, and making it into a job and him becoming, you know, a fitness freak is one angle of it. The other angle is probably fine-tuning his game and it does feel that he probably i don't want to say he needed to kick up the bum because that's maybe the wrong way of looking at but he probably Mm. needed that fresh cup of coffee to be like oh this is this is actually what you are what what is expected of you when you're a professional player and perhaps perhaps that changed uh the way he did it without him ever losing and 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 some people lose that that sort of boyish love that they have for the Mm. game but for him it almost like it feels like to me that the two sort of fused together sometime after he went and played in new south wales and that seems to be the big jump for him professionally when he comes back to england
1: yeah and it, and i suppose it was it's kind of fitting that it was a university team that he played grade cricket because it, it it maybe performed that role that university if it is done right and it's not always done right and it's not always achieves what it's supposed to for people but it it was that bridge between youthful T- uh, uh, talent or uh, affinity for something, and then becoming a little bit more serious and being out on your own, and actually finding your way to to make it work for you, and, and seeing where it's going to take you next. So, it, although it was a university cricket team, it sort of almost was a university experience, I guess, for Harry Brook in that sense. But I gather he liked to he liked to crack open a beer as well while he was over there.
0: There's there's no doubt he enjoyed himself from the interviews I mean, saw <laughs> as well. Yeah, stylistically, because I, I suppose. He's played a little bit of PSL. Did he play Big Bash as well? I'm trying to remember. He's yeah, played yeah. In, yeah. For Hobart. Yeah. He's played a little bit, but he probably, most people in the world probably still haven't seen much of him, right? He hasn't played a lot of international cricket. He hasn't played a lot of IPL yet. Stylistically, he's quite tall. I, I sort of, uh, I did a bit of research, I, you know, went through and, and I saw a couple of people talk about him as KP because he's tall, because he's leg side, because he has a lot of power. And I, I think I can see that comparison. But what he is, is he's KP if KP came through seven or eight years later because he also has the scoops and all the other stuff, whereas KP was almost all, all down the ground, right? Whereas yeah. Harry Brook has that side of him and he ha- uh, has behind the wicket and the scoops and the improvisations and all those sorts of things. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be as good as KP, but he has that ability to get on top of the bounce, mm. which, which means that he can basically drive almost anything on the up, and which means he can launch balls um, down the ground. But then he can play a reverse sweep. I reckon most of the boundaries I saw when I was looking for highlights on, him on the offside were reverse shots rather than yeah. you know a normal shots. And then he's either going straight or he's going out to the leg side.
1: Well, well, in Pakistan, he was hitting these absolute dream shots over extra cover. Genuinely, there doesn't seem to be a safe, safe landing spot. He's got mm. a shot for everything. Now, listen, it's it's sport. It's it's not a computer program. So he's going to mess up sometimes, but there isn't a safe spot. I'm pretty sure there's not a safe place to
0: bold Harry Brook because well, if you bowl wide outside of Stump and because of the, the strength that he has and the quickness that he has. Yeah. Extra cover. I'll give you extra cover. I don't think he goes very much between backward point and cover. I think he,
1: I think yeah. he can
0: you know. Oh no no I'm sure he can but what I mean is
1: he would need a bit of pace on the ball probably for that.
0: Yeah, but it, I don't think that necessarily matters anyway because he can clear everything else. Yeah. So it's it's not and no one no one in international cricket's going to bowl without a deep cover anyway, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. any player is any player not Dom Sibley is going to push the ball yeah. there, right? So so you still going to There's need an interesting
1: it. thing with with Brook though as well and it is I guess he's got this little um trigger in white ball cricket. More so than I think what we'd probably see in, in test matches. But he steps away to leg to, to manufacture the shot he wants. And you see people follow him. They go, you know, they, they have the playbook in their head and they go, man steps away to leg. So you've got two options. You follow him down leg and he has the easiest little pickup shot yeah. that he just just rolls it and it's six every time. Or they, they hang it outside wide and he's got a long enough reach that he, that he accesses extra cover. So so when he starts to shuffle and 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 he takes the initiative by moving away to leg, the two things that the guys are taught he is my my response to that. He's worked out an answer to he's he's a he's of the game, and I think people are still working out what they're going to do there because I think he's the seven matches in Pakistan will be poured over quite a lot because he he used a lot of his tricks and they worked by and large. <laughs> very well. So there'll be a response. That's the next thing when the analysts get the claws into him. But the, the fact that he can reverse and lap over his head and, and he, and he now this is a bugbear bear in mind. I'm quite sure it is of yours. The people who produce these shots when the field is not correct for those shots. And they're just doing it because it's a shot that they have practiced in the nets and yeah. they've got it. They have it. They have it in the arsenal. They haven't used it yet today. Here it is. And then they flip it to short third man or whatever. Cause he's there. Brooke, as far as I can tell, plays the shot when the field is asking him to. Mm. So it's pretty smart, pretty smart uh, way that he cycles through his options, um, as far as I can tell. And to hear Nasser Hussain sort of waxing lyrical about him these last few weeks, he, he doesn't he doesn't give that stuff away too early, Hussain, generally. He's got a good track record and he doesn't tend to ruin behind someone he doesn't think he's going to go pretty well and he's gone fairly hard on Harry Brooke.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think there's many holes with him. As you said, that, that whole trigger movement thing, that pickup leg shot on the move is the kind of shot that you see a lot of good T20 play average T20 players have a shot like that. Right. But that's their shot. Yeah. So um, I can't remember who it was. It was a guy in the big bash for years and it was really obvious. And, and as long as you didn't follow him, he couldn't play, he couldn't play anything else. Whereas in Harry Brooke's case, that's, one extra way that he is putting you off and almost trying to buy a boundary but if mm. if there's no he doesn't need to do that he could stand in his crease or he can flip the ball over and the shoulder straight. or he can reverse yeah. it and all those sorts of things he's, re, he's really interesting from that point of view the other thing is we've talked about the fact that he has many shots in many different directions he also scores runs in all formats right mm. so we see liam livingston coming into the test um, squad uh, for for england and I'm sure you and Dan will do, you know, a seven-part series on how weird that is. But essentially... Yeah, we've done Harry, the first part already, actually. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. i oh, oh, sorry. I haven't listened to that one yet. <laughs> but realistically, Harry Brook has actually proved himself in all formats, which we... It seems to be happening less and less with young cricketers.
1: Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's got the game and he's using it, really. He, he He's from a part of the world where he's going to value test cricket. financially emotionally, historically, he understands, he gets it. That's part of the bag. He's really good at the white ball stuff. And he finds it a lot of fun, as far as I can tell. He seems to have a great ball with it. Uh, and, and he's at the age of 23, whatever. He's been been out to Pakistan. You know, he beat the England senior team out to Pakistan. He's one of those guys. He went over to Hobart. And he appears to be really level. He appears to travel well, if that makes sense. Like, he he doesn't appear to be too frustrated by this stuff. He's, it's early days; these things can get on top of you. But he appears to be pretty open. Like I thought, it was I thought it was great in the in the Pakistan series just gone, where I think it was like game one or game two. He was interviewed after twenty three year old lad from ten miles up the road from where I'm talking to you now, Burley and Wharfdale Cricket Club. And they said, "Oh, well, h- how was how was it out there? Maybe it was mid innings or whatever." And they were talking about the chase, and he said, "Oh, typical." typical uh pakistan wicket really <laughs> you know? and he just he just reeled off he's like well yeah you know he's gonna two pairs you want to get on top of the bounce he just he just reeled it off that it was, yeah as, as a man of his experience at 23 years old it was pretty much the kind of wicket he expected in karachi and i thought that's fantastic
0: <laughs> i also love that because obviously playing the psl but for most of his life there was no cricket in pakistan for him to even watch yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. like he literally grew up in a pakistan and then it I've watched some on TV. I was in the Nets a bit in the PSL. I played some games. Come to me and I'll tell you That's what I came
1: exactly. out to you to expect. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, so something else I found interesting about him is that we see England. I mean, England have no batters, right? Like even now, Alex Lees hasn't got a contract, um, uh, which I did hear you talk about on yeah. England on 99.94, so we don't have to re-litigate that. Uh, But we've seen in recent times, Hamid, Crawley, Pope all rushed into the side well before they were proven, well before they were ready, sometimes not even in the roles, just because it was like they were a fresh body who can bat. The interesting thing is that because he developed slightly slower and was never the, I know he's the under 19 captain, but it wasn't like Hamid or Pope or Crawley, there didn't seem to be that kind of buzz about him in the same way. He's been able to develop himself as a professional, as we've talked about, playing league cricket, um, playing you know club cricket overseas, getting to know his game. He gets into international cricket when he's 22, 23, which is still young enough. It's a good age to start as an international batter, but not, mm. I don't know what my game is, and I don't know what I'm doing here in you know the way that it seems to be for Hamid and Crawley specifically, or in Pope's case of, oh, I've made it to international cricket, and now they're going to make me do a thing I don't know how to do. Um, it does seem that Brook has been given, the, out of those four, the best possible case to succeed, where the others maybe not so much.
1: Yeah, so from that under-19 team, he was the captain. Will Jacks was maybe the, the star don't know. He was the was one that was good. talked yeah. up, I reckon, yeah, the most. Yeah, yeah. but Jack's because he, he was at Surrey. <laughs> there was a really good chance that he was going to get shouted for, right? So he got shouted from the rooftops. He's really good as well, as it turns out. The first player out of that under nineteen team to get senior uh, recognition was Tom Banton. So Brooks, but like, not he's not behind schedule by any means. He's bang on schedule. Mm. But of that team, kind of Jacks got the big talk. Banton got the early shot and we arrive here a couple of years down the line and brooks actually looking like the one who's going to make a make it stick now whether the fact that he wasn't pushed super early whether that is a stroke of luck that he ended up opening the batting for yorkshire early doors and it didn't go very well maybe that's it because maybe if he maybe if he comes in at 19 at number 5 and scores a load of runs they, they do they do push the button on him but what he did was he opened the bat him because that's where the spot was. He was the guy in the academy team or whatever who was next in line. Needed like they were the one. He was the one they needed to get in the team. Like we were talking about rushing, rushing guys in, and it was up the order at the top. And it didn't really work out very well. So that probably held him back. I guess he needed to he needed to rebuild some numbers and and there is a sense that his actual first class record, as you look at it now, is slightly. Uh, skewed by the fact that if you take out his numbers opening, I know this is probably get called out for root maths here. But if you take out his numbers opening in arguably a position he shouldn't have been batting, it maybe looks a bit different again. So maybe he maybe he had a few bumps in the road early doors in that in that regard, and, and it it might have given him a little bit of a, a slow road. I mean, he's played fifty odd first class matches now. That's that's about right, isn't it? that's where you want mm. someone to to be coming in and, to to the England side. With that, no, definitely. Ex- he's got a bit of, he's got a bit of feel for his game. He knows what it is. He knows what he's doing.
0: Yeah. I, I think if he is a 10 year player, right. And you know, I easily, yeah. I don't think I've seen enough of him to make that call yet. Right. I, I remember seeing Joe Root in his first test going on ESPN and just going, well, this guy's a 10 year player. Mm. Sometimes you can tell and sometimes you can't. With Steve Smith, I was like, he should never be in the team again. Why, why is he being <laughs> chosen? Unless he learned some odd jokes. Yeah. So when it comes to that, it's like it actually, whether he is that player or not, will probably define how successful he has been. But when you, when you do look at it, so I'm just having a look now, in 10 matches opening the batting, he averaged 14, mm. right, in first-class cricket. And he averaged 22 batting at number three and 31 at number four. He really had to be pushed down the order before it worked out. Now, some of that might just be maturity as well, right? Mm. That And that isn't root mass. That really is – uh finding the right role for that player and he was in a position that that didn't particularly work but again there's a part of me that when if you're going to pick someone who's 22 23 when they're coming into the side the biggest problem that you have i was called like the michael clark rule michael clark came into the test team and was like i never want to be dropped mm. so will settle down champ I mean, you you, <laughs> you just got in the side. Let's worry about the first two or three years, here. yeah, yeah. And it ended up frying Michael Clark's brain so much so that he, he 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 was dropped and he had to be dropped. And then he came back and he was a much better player. I think Harry Brooks already struggled through the worst part of. Well, maybe the worst part of his career is wrong, but he's already Mm. struggled through a major part in his career. So he knows how to struggle and he knows how to succeed. And he's found a position. I just feel a lot more confident in a player that has managed to do that at a young age than I might Mm. have someone who's 22 and, you know, first year he averaged 40 and the next year he averaged 45 and the next year he averaged 50. This is a guy who's really worked it out.
1: So so listen, there's a red flag here as well, though, because England have already, I don't know if they've talked about it, but it has been tossed around the studios that maybe the way to get Harry Brook into the team... He got into the team last end of last summer because uh, Johnny Bairstow got injured. So he got in in exactly the place he wanted. like The spot that he had his eyes trained upon magically appeared. Prior to that, he'd been travelling around as 12th man the entire time with the team. And people were going, Lee's ain't getting many runs. Crawley ain't getting many runs. This guy's opened the batting before, so maybe that's (laughs) how we get him in. Massive red flag. He has opened the batting before, and it was not good. So... I would be I would be so wary of burning what you've got in Harry Brook by filling the uh you know the, the next the next vacancy that comes up at the top of the order and saying well he he's the, he's good he's opened the batting he like he literally has done it because it looks like it might be a really really good way of burning a big asset.
0: Yeah, I mean there could be a part of the Shane Watson principle here which is Shane Watson's numbers looked better when he opened the batting than anywhere else, but it was also happened to be the bit where he completely worked out his career hmm. um, and worked out his batting, came back into the team feeling really confident and smashable everywhere. I think if he batted at five or six, there, it might just be that when Harry Brook was trying to work out red ball cricket, maybe if he batted at number five, he still would have been rubbish. Probably mm-hmm. wouldn't have averaged 14, but he, yeah. he, might, he might still have been rubbish. But- so I, I do think there's a part of that. The problem is that unless Bairstow keeps and bats at five, yeah, uh, or Brook seems... bats at five and Bairstow moves back to seven, I'm not sure how you actually fit him in there. What about the white ball teams? Where does he fit into the white ball teams, do you think?
1: I think he sits at that five. I think he slots into Owen Morgan's seat. I think that's the seat that got vacated, and that's what he jumps into. And I think, I think he ultimately puts pressure on Moeen Alley. And, and 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 I don't know when when the end comes for Moine, but it, it might be sooner than we think. Mm. Dunno. Because if Livingston can pick up the overs, Brooke might pick up the batting. And and listen, Moine's lovely. Super player, super influence. But 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 that might be where the tension comes. It it, it could be that it could be that Brook has to play if he continues on this trajectory. And, and that Moen really needs to to fight his corner against against Brook as a batter, purely as a batter, because Livingston is there on hand to to toss in the overs that Moen has bowled, and he's bowling less than he has done in the past. So, I mean, I think you should play this T Twenty World Cup in the five slot, mm. and I don't see any reason to shift him out of there. I think it'll, I think it'll be some natural home, and in, in a format certainly in T Twenties, I mean, the fifty overs is hard to tell because England have, have just tossed it off really at this point and in, as
0: the world has to some extent in a month and a half time everyone's going to care about it yeah. again and but at the moment it just doesn't matter at all
1: yeah it's not on the radar really but you know if, if you look at people and where their stock is and, and where's Roy at and where's ex, Stokes has Stokes has retired from 50 overs Morgan's gone I don't think there's a I don't think there's such a queue of traffic that he can't get into that team I think that's fine
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah, I agree with you. I I think his flexibility in T20 cricket is batting four, two, six. if that makes sense, because 4 and 6 are very different positions. But Mm. I've seen a lot more of him in T20 cricket than I probably have in in anything else. And I I think he has the ability and the game to go up the position when you need someone at 4 and also bat at 6. My last question is, Ben Stokes called him dumb. And I don't think he meant it as an insult. And I don't know. I, I, I got the feeling what he meant was, Harry Brooke is uncomplicated. The ball comes down mm. and Harry Brooke hits it. And then after the game, Harry Brooke is happy that he's played well or sad that he's played bad, but he kind of keeps a level keel. That's how I read the com- thing, but yeah. I'm not from the North. I don't know how you guys talk about each other up there. Gen-
1: no, genuinely, I think, I think it's, uh, I suspect it was pure endearment. I think, honestly, I think the unspoken part of that might, from Ben Storks, might have been Harry's a bit dumb, brackets like me. I think he might have even said, like me, in the interview. Yeah. You know, it's, I just think it's, uh, it's, yeah, uncomplicated. I think it means he's not, he's not this guy who is uh, drowning in hinterland, <laughs> for want of a better word. And, and I think that is said with, with nothing but love. And Stokes, Stokes had his eyes opened by Brooke in that very, very, very brief period of time he spent with Northern Superchargers. Uh, the previous year, he he came away, as did Faf Plus by the way, and said he said he had the game of Depl- uh, said, said the game of De Villiers waiting to waiting to unload. I don't know this fella. If he if he spends a little bit of time with Ben Stokes and Ben Stokes gets the heart emojis, and he spends a bit of time with Faf and Faf gets the heart emojis, and NASA watches him on TV and NASA loves it. Jeez, I don't,
0: I don't think me and you should be disagreeing. <laughs> The last player NASA got really excited about was Josh Butler. Do you remember? Yeah.
1: That was yeah, the last yeah. time. I
0: remember, I remember in the press box and I was talking to him about something he'd done. And he said, Jared, everything you're saying is right. We can do heaps of analysis, but we don't even know what Josh Butler can be yet. And mm-hmm. you and I know that's not a real NASA thing to say. <laughs> no, no. NASA's more like, let's settle down here. You know, he's yeah. averaging 35 in, in Red Bull cricket, but it wasn't like that. It's really interesting. If you can warm Nasser Hussein's heart, what can't you do? Yeah,
1: precisely, yeah. So, I mean, he got Nasser Hussein talking in sound bites. you know, inked in, nailed on. It was fantastic. It was brilliant to hear. But, I mean, we just... If we're going to crank in this last couple of weeks, crank the hyperbole meter right as high as we want to crank it. You said he's got a little bit of KP going on there. Bang, let's have KP. Butler. Yeah, he's got a little bit of Butler going on because he's got hits hard and straight and flips back over his shoulder the path that he's taken is a little bit Joe Root it's it's family cricketer mm. club uh, uh, scholarship at a better school whatever with all those facilities through the Yorkshire team into the England setup. yeah so I think <laughs> I don't know if we want to close on this it's probably just a mixture between KP Joe Root Joss Butler and Abid Villiers <laughs>
0: Thanks for coming on the podcast. (laughs) Thanks for listening to England Cricket on 99.94, where we speak cricket every day.
1: Please rate, review and subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcasts. You can download the 99.94 app and follow us on Twitter at Norcross Cricket, in my case and in your case, Rory. At the RVD. Never miss out. Join our
0: 24-7 conversation on social media and follow us at 9994-DM. Cricket, every day, your way.
1: Get ready, race fans, because the ultimate NASCAR experience is about to hit the airwaves. Welcome to Pit Pass NASCAR, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart-pounding world of NASCAR racing.
0: Join us each week as we bring you closer to the NASCAR action with exclusive interviews, and all the news and rumors you need with your favorite drivers team members and
1: industry insiders so whether you're a fan of super speedways short ovals or road racing or you've just watched talladega nights Pit Pass nascar is the podcast you've been waiting for
0: get ready to fuel your passion for nascar like never before subscribe now to Pit Pass nascar on your favorite podcast platform or head to evergreenpodcast.com and get ready to join us
1: I'm launching in the fall on evergreen podcast network Follow us on social media at hitpass underscore NASCAR to stay up to date with everything you need to know about the podcast.